Brought to you by Soul Fire Productions. Hello and welcome to Mother the Mother. I am McLean McGowan. This podcast is an offering for all women to gather energetically, sister to sister, mother to mother, to co-create a sacred space for healing, educating, and sharing as we journey through motherhood and womanhood. It is such an incredibly powerful moment in time to be a woman, and I thank you for showing up on behalf of yourself and for all of the women in your lives, past, present, and future, to honor our matriarchal lines, all who came before, and all who will come after. Hi everyone, thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm your host, McLean McGowan. And as usual, thank you for being here. Thank you for co-creating this sacred space as we all learn from one another. I'm so excited for this episode. This was with Cal and Peyton Callahan. Cal is the host of the Great Unlearned podcast. They live in Austin, Texas, and I was blessed enough to be able to sit down with them about a month ago when I went to Texas. And Cal and I are in the same podcast agency, Soulfire Productions, and we've always really liked each other and each other's work and became friends over Instagram. And then I became friends with Peyton and they're just incredible on their own and then also together as they walk their own life paths as well as co-parent three children and continue to show up for each other in their marriage. And they have an incredible podcast. I believe it's number 24 of the Great Unlearned podcast. And then our podcast that I'm sharing here was also on theirs, number 64. But the Great Unlearned is an incredible podcast. He has such incredible guests, a lot of freedom seekers, truth speakers, and varied amount of humans. So I love listening to his podcast. For Sacred Partnership, I highly recommend listening to, yes, episode 24 entitled New Marriage, Same Partner. It's a very honest deep dive into their relationship and how they have been married for 21 years and keep allowing themselves to change and grow and allow that in one another. So I think we all have a lot to learn from them and with them. So this is a long episode, so I will stop talking. Per usual, I'm here walking this path with you now more than ever. We need to trust ourselves. We need to trust our intuitions. We need to truly listen to what our soul is telling us, what our bodies are telling us. And we are at a moment in history where there's great consciousness awakening. There's a lot of shifts happening. It is not easy. It is not for the faint of heart, but we can do it. Our souls chose to be incarnated at this time for a reason. So what is your reason? I encourage you to look at that and listen to that and get support as you walk this path because we all need our tribe. We need our sisters. We need our brothers. We need our communities now more than ever. So I see you. I hear you. I'm here with you. And I love you. Jema. Welcome to Austin. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Truly. Like I was just saying, I feel like I've been here a week. It's been a day. Fabulous. I think a lot of people have that, that feeling you just, you sink into a, a different, uh, energy here. Yeah. And I'm from Tennessee. So the land is very similar for me. And when I land, and I, this happened yesterday or Saturday when I came, but whenever I land in Tennessee, it's like immediately I have a visceral reaction where I feel home. It's the sound of the birds, the greenery, the trees. It's just, it's in my bones. 
Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because I grew up really wanting to get out of there. And then now, you know, our priorities shift, children shift things, but I really can't wait to get back to the South. How long have you been in LA? 16 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. I thought I was going for a year. Cut two. <laughs> <laughs> I went out there for acting as an actress and um, I was already a yoga teacher and Pilates teacher and I studied dance and science in school and then went out there and then, you know, just kind of kept me out there. And I realized there's so much more to LA than the acting world. And now I, you know, it's so funny too. Now it's like, I want nothing to do with that world. Mm -hmm. I, I don't see it as beautiful and sparkly anymore, but I love the nature and I love being near the ocean and that has really saved me. How long ago did you kind of walk away from that part of your life? Um, soon after, actually soon before I had Jemima. So about 10 years ago. Yeah. I love doing the work and I had like small parts Then I did a lot of commercials. Um, and then I just realized it was not fun or did it make me feel like a better person or smarter or more interesting. It just, it felt like it was sucking my soul out to go to auditions. Like it's so, it was just gross for me, you know, um, not judging anyone else, but like, I hate wearing makeup. I don't wear high heels. I don't like to act like I want to fuck people. I don't want to have sex with, which is what you basically have to do on auditions. You know, oh. it's just like, I I'm Scorpio. Like I don't play that game. Like uh. <laughs> my whole life when I've like, you know, liked a guy, and then we start dating. They're like, I thought you hated me, you know, before I was like, that's me flirting. <laughs> that's me flirting. So it just wasn't like aligned properly for me to be an actress. You know, it's interesting. I, uh, a friend of mine who's been in the industry for a long time had shared that all those additions and so many rejections yeah. that there, there was a part of him that wouldn't allow him to process the rejection. And so there was this, all this trauma in some ways that finally came out in a medicine ceremony. Oh, wow. It's like, whoa, he had no idea that in order to succeed, you have to let go of all of that. But there's a, the human part of you feels rejected every Mm -hmm. single time Mm -hmm. and all that goes with that. And you can imagine how healing that was for him to be able to process all of that and move forward. Yeah. Really sweet. Wow. Yeah. And it, it is just so weird because it's not necessarily like the directors or casting directors are trying to be mean, you know, it's just the delivery is harsh because they're seeing like a thousand people, right. For one little part. So it comes across really harsh that you're not this, you're not that. And you know, that's just not normal human behavior, it's, you know, and that takes its toll. Mm, big time. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're doing your other work now. Yeah. Much happier. Yeah. So I am so happy to be here with the two of you. And, you know, this was such an energetic alignment for me. I am, you know, just a quick history Cal and I know each other from Soul Fire Productions and our, you were newer on the podcast. I don't know. Time is elusive to me now. Was that like a year ago? Yeah, almost. Yeah. It joined okay. like in June. Yeah. So okay. we're recording right at the end of May. So yeah. yes. So uh, and it was just literally like, oh, I like his vibe. That's cool. That's an interesting new person in the group. And um, 
I knew Kelly because I was on her podcast three years ago or two and a half years ago. And I was like, that was so awesome. I want to have a podcast too. And then she just like, cool, I'll send you all my information. And then I was with another production company. And then when she started hers, I moved over, but, um, I don't know. I just liked you and now mixed into a Scorpio. So, <laughs> and then, and then I started following Peyton on Instagram and then I was like, Oh, I like her so much too. So cut to here we are. Here we are. <laughs> it really wasn't more than that. It was just like, they're awesome. I want to have them on my mm-hmm. podcast. And I remember you coming to me telling me about your podcast because he knew I would love the title mm-hmm. mother of the mother. Mm-hmm. And he's like, she's dual like immediately. <laughs> like, Aww. yeah. So. And then we also. started talking, mm-hmm. I think soon after we had met, you know, yeah. on a zoom call where I wanted to have the both of you on mine. Totally. So I thought there'd be a lot of like cool synergy and mm-hmm. yeah. be a great way uh, to share both of your work. But, you know, I thought it would just be kind of a cool conversation. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad mm-hmm. that we're, we're, we're finally getting it done nice. for both of our podcasts. Yeah, it's awesome. I love that. And, you know, for me, I'm all about the women and all about the moms. And so for me to actually be like, oh, I like that guy yeah. was cool, you know, and that's kind of rare for me. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I mean, no hate to the dudes listening, but I'm just kind of like unimpressed with men right now, you know, given the past. I can't like understand why. <laughs> <laughs> given the past year and a half and some decisions. Um, but yeah. So anyway, it, for me, and I've shared this with you in DMs, it's like so beautiful to witness a man that's showing up the way that you're showing up and the way that you're creating this space for men to show up here. And so. I really honor that. And like, it almost makes me tear up. And you know, when you had Dell on, like I sent you a DM, I was crying because I was, and I don't cry. First of all, I don't cry. (laughs) Mm. So the fact that I was crying, I was like, I'm going to share this with him because, um, there are so many thousands, I would say hundreds of thousands of women and mothers that are feeling unseen and unheard. And the way that Dell shared on your podcast, like it, it gives me chills. That work is so important and it's crucial. Doesn't matter who, what accolades or how many likes or whatever, how many followers. It's like you created a space for Dell to speak to mothers that way. Mm-hmm. And thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank, thank you for acknowledging that and the, what you had shared uh, after that podcast came out. And uh, yeah, I think that podcast is a great example of why I do the podcast is, is to, you know, it's not always someone that people might know, but it, it's to show the, who this, per, like the human side yeah. versus bringing an expert on and sharing their, their wisdom. Yeah. Right. And so it was such a beautiful conversation with Dell. And, you know, when you get in to a podcast environment, and you're curious, you start to learn things about people that you wouldn't otherwise maybe know in a conversation at a party or just hanging out. And so I'm so grateful for the platform to be able to do that with. And, um, I'm excited to, to dig deeper into your story today and, and, and what's alive for you. And I want to hear all about both of you too. Yes. Getting Peyton on in. Um, (laughs) So I'm going to pull a card because you had my favorite or you have my favorite Earth Wars Oracle card deck. So I'm going to do a card pull. Medicine of the Rainbow Jaguar. 
Ishel, I guess is how you pronounce that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'll just do a, a quick read. Yeah. I love it. Story time. Because this is like a, a four page. Yeah. The, I'll just do a quick one. Yeah, she goes deep on the, uh, <laughs> on the in the guidebook. She does. Is shell protects you now as you transition from one life phase to the next. With her rainbow light, this guardian goddess instructs you on how to use great power with wisdom to nourish only what is worthy. Using jaguar medicine with perfect timing, she confronts that which is unworthy of her devotion, eradicating destructive forces and creative space for healing, relief, and rebirth. Her presence is the wild power of the jaguar, the renewal promise of the rainbow and divine feminine creativity. Our all darkness shall be overcome. You are going through a transition. Cultivate hope and stay true to your intentions. Let nothing divert you from your true path. If you have a new project, vision, or lifestyle that you are seeking to bring into the world, Yishel is guiding and guarding you for a healthy birth. She also brings a message that there are times when fierceness is necessary. It is important that you cut off negative sources completely at this time and do not allow yourself to be used or exploited. This is not the time to indulge someone else's ego or go against your own inner knowing in order to give someone the benefit of the doubt. Trust your instincts and break immediately from what isn't right from you. This will bring you new opportunities and situations that are worthy of your passionate devotion. Oh, yeah. 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 There's a, there's that a lot, there's, there's mm-hmm. a lot coming from, for me coming up. First of all, it just, if, if I can distill it down for people, it's figure out your fuck yes and stay with that. And everything mm-hmm. else is a no. So get really clear about that. But also the other thing that came out, cause we're currently in mercury retrograde. So I'm curious about <laughs> starting new projects given that, we're not supposed to be starting new projects. So do you have any thoughts around that, McLean? Mm, not really. <laughs> <laughs> you know, both and, which is my answer for everything. I feel like I need a t-shirt that just both and for every, you know, it's like that we're holding all the paradoxes. So on one hand, yes. And on the other hand, sometimes I think beauty comes from mercury retrograde because we also are kind of giving things space that they need. Cause we're kind of like, I don't know. It's, I don't freak out about them too much. I almost just kind of chuckle. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. It's like, I think they can be really actually great in getting us out of our thinking mind. Mm. So I actually think they can be real positive. I mean, I personally, over the last couple of days, there's been a lot of opportunity for <laughs> a lot of stuff bubbling to the surface. Mm-hmm and opportunities to heal past wounds, to move forward, to weed the garden and clean up things. Uh, so yeah, I definitely was joking with some friends before, before it officially started and a couple of buddies were having gas line broke at their house and some of them were like, fuck guys, it's not even mercury retrograde. Like get your <laughs> shit together. So it's been this ongoing, just like a 13 guy oh, yeah. text where everybody's just sharing their retrograde stories, which they're That's to- pretty funny, which they're totally new to. They only know about it because <laughs> I said that. And so they're like posting memes about what to do and what not to do during Mercury retrograde. And so anyway, it's That's funny. And yeah. haven't done all the things that you're apparently not supposed to do. Yeah, <laughs> supposedly. It's just a guide. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. What comes up for you with the um, 
the, with that reading, with that card um, pull? Well, the Jaguar, the keeper of the medicine space and the ability to walk between the worlds and the transition spaces. And so immediately, yeah, that resonated and seeing that keeper of that space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you just had a huge transition with your son graduating. Sure. Yeah. Big milestone for us. Our, our firstborn oldest child just graduated high school. So, um, yeah, it was a big week for us. So I don't even, regardless of what was squaring moons and retrograde or whatever, <laughs> it was, it was a week. Yeah. It, it surfaced a lot wow. of emotions. Um, and so beautiful and grateful, but it was a week. Right. It's also an eclipse this week too. So lots See, and of that. that, lots of layers, yeah. lots of layers. Oh, is that what, yeah. yeah what's the, so the eclipse? The eclipse and super full moon. So a lot of, for full moons, it's not about, you know, setting intentions for the month. It's about re- releasing. And so it's kind of like you, you lay the groundwork and the intention on the new moon. And then as you cycle through the month, then you release what is ready to be released from that cycle. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's kind of just a beautiful way to look at what you want to call in. And then you have to make space for that new abundance to come in. So you got to get rid of other yeah. stuff. And with the eclipse, what I've heard from a lot of different people I respect is you don't do, or it's looked down upon to do the new moon intentions because eclipses are so wild that you actually are kind of like, okay, I've been setting these intentions for this year or these cycles. Now I'm just really letting, you know, universe take over and let the chips fall where they might. And eclipse is also just lifting those veils, seeing the shadows, you know, going hard. Someone's like that, like lightning to bring about change. (laughs) It doesn't always feel cozy and comfy, you know, it can be kind of a wild ride, but. Okay. So we got that going on, which is, which is, which is cool. Yeah. His graduating was, um, I found myself reflecting on how I may have felt about it in the past a sense of loss, Mm -hmm. a sense that I wish I could turn back the clock and have him be six years old again and, Mm -hmm. and, and have those years back. But, but I, I, the only reason I reflected on that and it wasn't in the space is I, I just had such gratitude for the relationship that I have with him today. And I had this knowing that the concept of time is I started to understand, you know, how it is just a construct and that there's, there's no scarcity of what we have together, not worried about, Oh, I could die. Something could happen. Like right now, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. And we've, we've gotten to a place um, where, where we see one another, where, you know, certainly in the past six months, he's, he's taught me so much um, through him breaking his jaw, just what that meant for me and how I could show up for him and serve him in a way that would facilitate his healing and, uh, and not put my shit, whatever that is, onto him. And really to, to also realize within that, that I need to take care of myself too. I need to honor the sadness I feel, the hurt, the loss of, of, you know, so much joy in watching him participate in sports. 
and that this was his senior year and he may never play basketball again. Wow. And just, you know, we've just always loved, you know, watching our kids do anything. And um, I think we've been, we've been pretty centered around not having them live out unfulfilled dreams of ours. Mm-hmm. You know, very, just been very supportive and, and, and been, you know, very vocal about sharing with them that we just love watching you in whatever the thing is. What you love. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I guess anyway, through all that, uh, I kind of lost my train of thought, but just, yeah. You know, seeing your son, your kid, his, his, face was swollen up to like almost twice the size and and, and just just not it's just hard to see now at the time he actually wasn't in really any pain but just to see your kid um just knowing everything is about everything has changed and uh i was fortunate enough to have you know, a dear mentor and brother who I reached out to right as it happened. I'm like, I, I know this is an opportunity for me to to show up and I don't want to fuck it up. Like, this is what happened. Like, how, how can I, you know, again, not, not, how can I do this right? And uh, just the stuff he shared was, was kind of what I, what I was just sharing. But it, it I know, we know that these are opportunities for, for Jake in this particular case, this hardship, this loss, there's something on the other side of that. If we allow him to go through that process. And he said, so to hold that thought when you're um, maybe wanting to say how much this sucks and and also don't say this is all going to get better right away like sit in what's actually happening if it sucks in that moment like say it sucks in that moment but don't rush to this is all going to be for the best Mm -hmm. just know that that's around the corner and if we just can hold space for him to go through that then it will happen and it will happen in its own time but we found was it was remarkable the the shift in him a month, six weeks after it happened. He was just a different kid. He just carried himself in such a different way with a different just understanding or confidence. Mm-hmm. He just had this sense of ease about him that he didn't necessarily have before. One thing that I was reminded of as Cal was sharing this story, um, what came up for me as a mother, and I'm sure you can relate to this. Um, when I think, gosh, the hardest part after he broke his jaw was when he was coming out of surgery and his, uh, his mouth was wired shut. And so he was coming out of the anesthesia. We were home and, um, he panicked because he couldn't open his mouth. He felt like he couldn't swallow. He was suffocating and he was terrified. And we, we were both in the room and my mothering instinct was to take over that, to be in that space. 
but I could see how connected Cal was with him in that moment. And I walked out of the room and took a minute to realize like, you know, how much I I've showed up for my children, how I've, anytime the kids were hurt, it was like, he was pushed out of the way. I took over, took him to the emergency room, whatever. And realized this is not my moment. And he really needs to be there for Jake. And Jake is really craving that. I, like it was, it was obvious. And to, to walk out and allow that to unfold and just take a deep breath and understand the, the power that was unfolding and that connection. Um, and you, you, you handled it so beautifully with him to calm him and be there. So I came, I came downstairs and I probably walked up about, I don't know, 35 minutes later and they were both asleep in the bed cuddled. But, um, yeah, like what an opportunity. And I think sometimes as mothers, at least for me, I sometimes denied him those opportunities and just connecting with my children the way, like I know how to do. And that's just, in yeah. in my in my bones, as you said earlier, yeah. so it's so beautiful, and thank you for sharing that because I think mm-hmm. that's such an important part of mothering, and it's hard because we're so used to doing it, mm-hmm. you know, for years mm-hmm. for everything because we're so also obviously when you have young children, we're physically and our auras are so connected to like everything's mm-hmm. so connected, and so it's like yeah, get out of the way, I know how to do this, yeah, like, I got it down, put them on like, the yeah, yeah, I got like it. totally. Um, Mm -hmm. but what a beautiful example of parenting together. Yeah. And, and, and I, I do want to highlight what you just said and, and, and how hard that is from, from your standpoint, like your preference is I want to be the one, we all want to be the one that shows up Mm -hmm. and to like put that bit of the ego aside and say, and to look at it objectively, like what is really needed here? And you, you were present enough to witness what was happening between Jake and I. And, um, I don't know if it, it hurt or, or what you felt in, in that situation. Um, but whatever it was, whatever tension you, you allowed like you showed up for him the best way you could and mm-hmm. in, in what he needed. And uh, I think that's been such an important lesson for me as well. Like not what are my preferences for my relationship with my kid? Mm-hmm. What do they need mm-hmm. from me? Mm-hmm. And as I've opened up to that idea and seen them for what they need, it, it, it's been, it, that's been the greatest shift that I felt in my relationship with my kids. It's like, it may not be what I think is the best thing for them, but, but the more I go into it, I realize I don't fucking know a lot of what's the best for them. I know what may or may not have worked for me a long time ago in completely different circumstances in a completely different world. What do they need right now? And, you know, Peyton and I have talked about this sometimes, you know, I really try to 
allow them to play at their edges, mm-hmm. try to open up the boundaries so that they can figure out who they are. Now, in doing that, yeah, I'm going to open it up a little bit too much sometimes, and I got to rein it back in. But it's with the intention for their greatest growth. Mm-hmm. Not because I want to be the cool dad, but because I want to serve them in the best way that I can. And in doing that, you really have to question so much of what we're taught by society of how we're supposed to parent. It's fucking so wrong. What what we've been taught. Parented. Yeah. Yeah, And I don't, we don't mean, we don't other people do. Yeah. I want to be careful. Like, I don't want to say it's so wrong how we were parented, how we've been told to parent. Right. Right. And, um, for all, for, all our parents listening right now, that, that is, I want to be clear that. Love you, mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love you, memes. Uh, but it, it's really about, yeah, like all the, thinking about going out and, and you're out at a restaurant and your kid needs to be quiet. Like all the stuff is mm-hmm. to keep your kid in line, discipline. There's so much of that. I just feel like this oppressive energy. And uh, I mean, I'm. Fitting them in the mold. Yeah. Without, this is how you, this is how you're a good child and do good. Yeah. And our, 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 our Warm middle, enough. our middle son, uh, who's 15, super interested in learning about psychedelic mushrooms and all that stuff. So is he just searching about it online and not saying anything? And like, well, he's coming to me because mm-hmm. he knows I've had experience with it. Mm-hmm. And he knows I have all these books and I've talked about it on podcasts and, and I share openly. So he comes to me and um, he even said to me the other day, he goes, dads are just like, I don't know any other dads that would, with the exception of Kyle, <laughs> our friend Kyle Kingsbury, but I don't know any other dads that would actually talk to their kids about this. So I just know, and I didn't need him to say that to con- confirm that it was the mm-hmm. right thing to do. Because you know what? If he wants to try it, and I'll be clear, like I, he's too young to do it, in my opinion. So I'm not grooming him to try it <laughs> this summer. But I'm giving him information mm-hmm. that that has been useful to me. And we're I'm creating trust in this relationship. And what I said to him was, listen, buddy. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be open-minded here. And so part of the deal, the agreement here is, is that you are respectful to the process and for, you know, the why behind this. Um, but, it, but at the, the end of the day, I want me to be the first phone call if shit gets really fucked up for him. Mm-hmm. At any point, if he's like in a real bad situation, that I, you know, just that he knows he can trust me, that I can hold it. I will not judge him. I will not be, you know, disappointed, I I would hope. But just like, I get it, man. We all fuck up. Like, let's not make it worse. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's what ideally we all should want is for for us to be the first place our kids come to. I mean, isn't like the whole point. And it's like literally the opposite for most families. Yes. And am I going to disappoint them? I could never, don't tell mom, don't tell dad. You can never tell them, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, they won't understand. And it just sets such a foundation of mistrust. It's so sad. 
they're, you know, because parents are very penal when the kid quote unquote yeah. fucks up and they're just trying to figure out life. Mm-hmm. Totally. Right. How can we learn? How can we guide them through this experience that they're undergoing? Yeah. Right. Isn't that our, our job to be guides and be, you know, I love the analogy of a kite. We have three teens. So it's, like they have to fly and soar and they're going to hit trees and hit the ground and just, you know, be taken with the wind. But do they know that they have someone on the ground standing strong, holding on to reel them back in when they need it? And I, I mean, I love that, mm-hmm. but you've got to give them a line to do that and to explore and play, but to know that someone's got them and that they can come back and be grounded with, with their parents. So it's not always easy, but, um, yeah, I think they feel very comfortable and it is, you, you know, you, you feel like, you know, it's not open doors anymore. It's like a window being cracked. And so you have to take those opportunities for, to connect with them, um, and to do so with curiosity and without judgment, you know, so. And be okay. Like again, like, Right. Like not panic. Like, why is he asking about that? Oh my God. Does that mean he's going to do this? That? Yeah. Like, yeah, by the way, curious. and this is what <laughs> some of the kids are talking about. And you know, kids are going through a really hard time right now. It's yeah. been a hard year for these kids and, and, and people are experiencing depression and what does that look like? And how can I help my friends? And does this really help? And what does that look like? You know, he, heard that it really helped his dad. And so what does that look like? And yeah. So. Cause they're going to get their information. Yep. And what I don't want him, the information, I, I don't want him to think that pharmaceuticals, you know, uh, painkillers are, are, are the, the way that you have an altered state because that could be a message he gets. I can or be, be fixed. Yeah. And, and so when I say, yeah, these, these, these things are really helpful when done with intention and, da, 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 and sometimes you're going to fuck it up and you're going to, or sometimes you're going to do it for fun. Like it's all good, but these over here mm-hmm. are a fucking no go. And this mm-hmm. is why, mm-hmm. you know, our friend Sheldon, he almost died twice. And it's because he got hooked on painkillers for a, a you know, a, a long-term wrist injury. Like this can happen to people who are super grounded yeah. and it just, it gets out of control. So let's have those conversations rather than not talk about our buddy Sheldon who almost died. Yeah. Like let's, there's no shame in any of this. Like, and that's part of it also like, dude, yeah. I'll share with you anything that you ask me. He's dad, have you, have you tried this one? And it's like the five MEO DMT. It's just, you know, the Sonoran desert toad. Mm you know, smoking toad venom. I'm like, <laughs> and I had to think for a second. I was like, okay, well, <laughs> like, yeah, I've done that, you know, and uh, I've done it a couple of times and this is what it's like. And, um, I don't recommend that right out, right out the gate. <laughs> but I, I also, I, I need to be very clear with him that, that, that I have, I have done these things. And, and if I, if I'm not honest with him, and he does find out well, that there's a breach of that trust. Like, fuck, what else did dad lied to me about? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Totally. So it's, it's, it creates a, a ton of tension for most parents. 
because they think they're sending the wrong signal. I'm not advocating condoning him doing it right now. Right. But I'm advocating mm-hmm. for him getting the right information or what I feel, my opinion sure. of what the right information is. And then again, to open up that, the conversation for that and, and everything else. And education is not encouragement. It's that. Mm. It's a conversation. Boom. It's understanding. That's a, that's a good line right there. Thank you. Bam. Bam. Say that Quote again. Card. Say that again. If, if <laughs> So people don't have to hit the 30-second the well, back I, button. I, I use it often when talking about uh, sexuality uh, for young women because a lot of times as parents, we're afraid if we, if we talk about it, that means we're going to, they're going to go do it and then that we're condoning it, but it's not, it's that this is a natural feeling to experience as part of our growth. It's part of our beauty of development. Um, and we need to understand it. We need to understand why our body's changing. We need to understand why our brain's changing, why we're feeling this connection with another human being. Um, and it's so important. So yeah, the quote is education is not encouragement. It's that it's understanding your why understanding yourself. Right. And a lot of part of, in my opinion, the big part of education is having your own experience. Sure. Yeah. Gnosis. And that's, yeah. What's that? Gnosis. Yeah. Gnosis. G-N-O-S-I-S. Look at you. Did you win a spelling bee? (laughs) Look at you bragging over here. My name is Peyton. Gnosis. G-N-O-S-I-S. Gnosis. (laughs) What's up? Fuck. Never won a spelling bee. We met at a spelling bee. Never won a spelling bee. I actually don't even think I made it through one round. And and we may even have to Google and make sure I spelled it correctly there. (laughs) Sounds right. No, you did. We're going to go with it. Yeah. I'm feeling really good right now. You know, pharma is not working for most people, you know, so we're also in a massive change. And this education is so Mm. important. And, you know, as we know, or a lot of us know, like, this was medicine in the fifties sure. and the forties. Mm-hmm. Right. And it helped a lot of people. And now there's a resurgence, thank God to mm-hmm. learn more about this. And it's a fine point. Cause like I come from a lot of addiction and suicide and, you know, so it's, it's a fine line for me, you know, like I'm like sh- fast forwarding as you're talking about your teenagers, like I'm not ready for it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, my oldest will be, double digits in the fall. But, um, but I also know that there is a beautiful way to use those medicines. I Mm -hmm. fully and, you know, really embrace that. I just, I personally haven't done it yet because, um, sobriety, I don't use other non, I don't even know what to call them. Drugs, alcohol. I don't do any of that because of my own history. It doesn't align with my body, but I'm very open the possibility of someday if I feel called to do, you know, um, that's the key. Yeah. You just said it. If I feel called to do, and that's the, 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 for lack of a better term, that's the prescription for, for anybody. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. if you feel called to it, then, then that's, that's the time. But otherwise, and listen, I, I, the first time I did it, um, I don't know that I I didn't consciously say that I was called to it, but I was ready for it. I was ready for what it offered me to open up a perspective into my life 
that I didn't have access to an access, you know, uh, a lens without self judgment, without regret, just a very objective look at like, Oh, this is how you're showing up or this is how you're not showing up. And uh, the choice is yours to, to, to change that. So it sounds it, awesome. I mean, everyone that I know that has used the different modalities mm-hmm. sounds amazing. And I also kind of feel like when the right teacher for me or facilitator, yeah. I'll be drawn to it because it just hasn't resonated yet, but it, it does sound. Cool. Yeah. And the right medicine and yeah. the right, there, there's so, there's so, uh, there's so many options. Yeah. There's a lot of moving parts to yeah. it. But you're just you're tuning in, which yeah. is what mm-hmm. I, you know. A lot of a lot of people don't do. I didn't do. You know. Now, I've been offered. You know. You can imagine in this community here in Austin, there's a there's a lot of that. Um, so I'm offered often opportunities, and I would say, you know, I first did it in uh, October of 2017. I'd say for the next couple of years, if I was offered, I wouldn't necessarily say be a big yes, but I, I would want to, because I was curious about this particular medicine. I would say in the past year plus, I, I've really tuned into what do I need right now? And it's not been medicine. And it's been, it's been a while since I've been in that space. Mm-hmm. Shit, have I been in it since before COVID? I know, what is time? I mean, time, like, yeah. it's... <laughs> The definition of time is so just, I don't even know what it is. Like it's, it's, it exists. So it's not obsolete, but it, it doesn't mean what it did a year ago to me. It's so tell me, well, t- Okay. Tell me more about that. I, I don't have a firm definition for mm-hmm. myself yet because it, it, it feels elusive to me. It's like, like I was saying, like, you could tell me you've been in Austin for a week and I'd be like, yeah, it's been a great week. I've been here for like 36 hours. Um, I don't, I used to be so great in time and like very linear and, (laughs) um, now I don't even remember like when I met people. Sometimes I also feel so connected to people on Instagram. You know, you could be like, Oh, you know, Cal and Peyton, you've met them multiple times. I'd be like, sure. Yeah. You know, but I, I have no kind of reference now of, Oh, it's been two years since I last saw you or three years or, you know, it's like, and So there's that, like on the physical plane. And then I also feel like I'm stepping into this work of really healing relationships on the continuum of time. So, you know, like with inner child work, like knowing I can work with little McLean and it's still going back in time, which will also affect me now. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm kind of using that example in my other relationships too. Yeah but I don't fully know how to express that. Well, I wonder, I, I think, I, I think I, it's a, I think I got you. Tell me if it's, I feel like you've, um, there's been like this ascension from this idea of that linear time, because, you know, as you're talking about it, it doesn't matter the last time you saw someone. Right. Yeah. But we, we, we've, you know, we're taught to believe that that matters to yeah. remember yeah. stuff like that. But what you're saying is, all I know is like, I'm connected to this person. That's all. And, and so for me, it's like moves. And I think Ascension is actually the proper term that you've moved out of uh, such an attachment to that place. Mm-hmm. 
And I also think for me, uh, let me know if this resonates, what happened over the last year plus, all these assumptions we made about the future, we realized that none of it holds, bears anything. So what is time when we think about the future? We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We really don't know. And we never did. And so it actually feels so great and freeing. And I, on my drive over here, I was like, love it here, but we're not moving here. We're moving to Tennessee at some point and living in LA. And then I'm like, you know what? Maybe we are moving here. I have no idea. I literally have no idea what's happening. Yes. You know, and I'm okay with that. Like I'm really okay in my life on the daily now. Right. Letting go of that illusion of control. Yeah. Right. Like where we're going and like what we're doing and what we're saving for and all those things like, which, you know, we live in a world where those things do matter. You know, I mean, we're not like selling everything and just going to the woods, but it, um, I'm so less attached to everything. Mm -hmm. It's wild. When Mm -hmm. I think about at night, I'm daydreaming about moving to Tennessee and I'm thinking about what I'm going to take. And it's so little. It's like one suitcase and my kitchen stuff. No shit. Yeah. I'm like, Ugh. none of the furniture's yeah. coming. Don't need the books. Have my kids, my husband. Honestly, like maybe one painting. It's so freeing. I'm just like, I, I'm, I, I can mm. literally leave tomorrow. That's amazing. Yeah. And it feels really refreshing. Like that's what this year has brought me. I mean, I've always been kind of unattached to things um, because I rebelled against my family, which had a lot of stuff and more hoarders and very attached to materialism. And so I think I just went the opposite way. Um, But yeah, this past year, like took it next level. Like legit hoarders or just? No. Okay. Yeah. Let me clear that up. We can can drop into that for a minute. (laughs) No, they were, they were not scary hoarders. Tell me more. They have beautiful homes and beautiful things, but just like, just a lot of abundance, you know, like old Southern abundant, you know, like (laughs) just like my great grandmother, but like, I mean, I guess this could be hoarders. I mean, everything was like beautifully organized, but like you'd open up her closet and there'd be like 10 of the same shampoo, you know, or like, 20 of the exact same shade of lipstick. Like, and she died when she was 98 and she still had like new shoes every year and new dresses made for her. Like she was a consumer. Yeah. So I just grew up seeing a lot of stuff and also in the South, like everything's kind of passed down. And I just, I was kind of like, you're like, I'm good. I'm good. I I don't need it. Mm -mm. I don't need it. So, (laughs) um, I know this is such a huge topic marriage, but, um, we don't talk about our marriage. <laughs> <laughs> and please go to Cal's episode. What number was that? Do you remember? The, uh, show you guys, same together. partner, new marriage. Yeah. yeah. Oh, our, oh, ours. oh yeah. We'll have that in the show notes. Such a great episode. Thank you. I yeah. mean, so beautiful. And, um, I think I mentioned to you on the phone the other night I was listening to it. So I sleep with my kids still it's like, oh, awesome. you know, the sleep training, it, it's so funny, like, quote, in quotation marks, sleep training. Because we've done Sometimes always. we still do, too. So, like, just. Yeah. I'm just I mean, in this phase now where I'm they loving ever grow it. Up? I'm just no. loving it. So, I'm like, <laughs> it's all great. But anyway, I often fall asleep listening to a hypnosis session or meditation or sometimes a podcast. So, anyway, I was trying to get prepared. So, I 
listened to that podcast and I fell asleep. So I think I woke up and you're talking to like a tennis player. So I was like, Oh, I just listened to like, oh, yeah. tons of his Hawk, podcasts. Yeah. like, so you're like deep in my unconscious mind, <laughs> but, um, but it was such a beautiful oh, share. I just you. loved all of you. I mean, all of you, the two mm. of you sharing all of your ups and your downs. And I just think it's so important mm. to share the ups and downs of marriage because we don't yeah. see it and we don't really talk about it in a way of learning and wanting to move through it or also being open to it, not quote unquote working out or not yeah. staying together. Sure. And, you know, so much of what you shared Peyton was just so profound and I loved, and I'm sure you had your own journey, like in the real time of it. But mm-hmm. when you spoke about it, of just being so honest about maybe it doesn't work out. And I think that's just such a beautiful lens to look through Mm -hmm. because I also feel like sometimes breaking up or going your separate ways is the bravest and the healthiest thing for everyone involved, um, including the kids. But, you know, it's so interesting because I honestly don't have a lot of marriages that I see that I would want or anything close to it. And they're happy, but it just for me, like, and I'm a unique, probably quirky person, but, um, it was just really beautiful. And thank you so much for sharing that insight because I just think so many people can relate and it's, um, it was brave. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Sam Sam from soul fires. been like, y'all gonna need to get back on. Like that was your best episode. (laughs) People like had the most downloads and well, I think because, um, I mean, relationships are hard. Right. And, and I think often as parents, we, we want to be stability for our children and not let them kind of what you were alluding to earlier, not let them see here the, the challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, but this is an opportunity for them to understand relationships and how to work through them and that they can be challenging. And then sometimes walking away from a marriage means like it's the ultimate respect for your partner that you've shared and developed this life with. Um, saying I respect you enough to allow you to have this life that you deserve. And right now we're not doing that for one another. We're not accentuating our best selves there. But I think for us was, you know, allowing that relationship to end um, and to do all the things, you know, so often in, in marriages, what happens is when people separate, they start doing all the things that their hearts desires. They start now caring about their health. You know, they're, yeah. they join the gym, they're taking the class, they've, left that job they're they're making all these changes and now they're the person that that your partner had been desiring and and wanting and connected you know wanted to connect with and so why don't we allow that that new version of ourselves to to surface within the relationship I love you know one thing that I I said that I think really resonated with people is that we didn't want to give someone else a better version of ourselves. Thank you for saying that because that happens so often. Yeah. The dude 
the next woman that gets the dude gets the dude you fucking wanted and you worked on you worked on that dude for many years and then they lose the 30 pounds and they love their life and they're meditating and so thank you just for saying that because i think you guys it's just a beautiful example of like why not try to be the people we want and if it still doesn't work out it'll still be plan b but like give ourselves that opportunity Mm -hmm. but also give ourselves that opportunity, allow, I, I, I feel like this has been, I think the, the biggest, um, tool in a relationship is allowing one another to become new versions of ourselves because it's very easy to say, you know, who do you think you are, you know, becoming this and doing this now and starting this career and now acting like this, you know, to put them in their place. Like what? You know, we change each individually. We change daily. And if you're not allowing your partner to grow, how is your relationship going to grow? But that can be really scary. It's like, I know at least it was for me, you know, you know, Cal left the trading world. He was starting these, these new ventures and then completely changing how he lived his daily life and what he was diving into and his curiosities, you know, and it could have been very easy for me to just be like, what are you doing? Like, that's not you. But it is also scary. It's like, wait a minute, is this new version of him going to still love me? But I've got to be willing to take that risk because he's got to live his life. Right. And I ultimately want to be with someone who's authentically, genuinely, fully expressing themselves in their lifetime. And he needs to do the same for me, or at least I would hope he would do the same for me. But I think often in relationships, because that can be so scary, we don't support this evolution of self. So I really think that's one of the most significant things in, in, in growing a relationship and in a marriage is to, yes, allow one another to continue to be new versions. And sometimes you may need to try it on and it doesn't fit. And it's like, oh, but like give them that space and freedom and support. Yeah. I mean, I think we, well said, uh, I think we... Thanks, babe. <laughs> I think we 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 can tend to hold on really tightly to those relationships, and as you said, not want them to change for fear of someone outgrowing or having new interests or preferences. And to that, you know, I I was I was willing to allow that if myself or Peyton were on our, you know, we're each on our own journey, mm-hmm. and, and if we woke up one day and said this just isn't for me anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's, I, I don't, and I don't think Peyton or, or we don't need this, not what it was the current state it was in um, to, 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 to sustain us. Cause it wasn't. Yeah. And when we let go of the outcome, I really don't want this marriage to ever end. So I'm going to do things that keep it safe, even though, you know, I know things could be better and I'm not really living my full life, but it's, we're good. You know, we have a good life. We have good kids and we have good friends. 
it's just like, it's such an old paradigm. I think a lot of people live that way. And I was willing to go on this path of figuring out who I was because I didn't know who I was. And if at the end of that path, Peyton wasn't a part of it, I was willing to, to give that up because, you know, I've got one life. Peyton has one life here in this in this, 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 in, <laughs> One life, this lifetime. in this incarnation. But, um, I think there's so much fear around the, a marriage not working out what people think da, 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 you know, divorcing, splitting stuff up, the kids and all that. And I understand that, mm-hmm. you know, it's not that I don't ever have never thought about that. I have, but I'm like, at what cost? Yeah. You know, so what is going to get me to live my full life? And if, and if I can do it within the framework of this relationship, that's my preference, Mm -hmm. but it's not the outcome that I'm striving to make sure I land on, but it's something that it is my intention. Uh, And I think just having the space and the freedom to play there feels really good. You know, and that's been, you know, it, it hasn't been easy. There's times when, uh, that self-interest turns into selfishness and that doesn't feel good either. And so it's very nuanced. And, you know, I think when we're at our best, we're communicating those needs to one another. And when we're not, we're not communicating those needs. We're triggered and we're shut down and, you know, we still go through stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think it's 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 quite simply relationships are hard, mm-hmm. and um, don't expect them to be easy. And if they're if they're real easy, to check in there too that you maybe not challenging the relationship enough. You're not pushing the edges. You're not allowing it to be what it what it really could be. You're playing it safe. Uh, and I'm not saying like bring in other partners and do like none of that mm. shit. I'm saying. You know, are you willing to live in the fullest expression of yourself to to see what that can do for that unit? Yeah. And I think, you know, there was a time where we just got so comfortable and a little complacent that it was, you're just kind of going through the motions and then realizing, wait a minute, we know too much to just do this. and we respect each other too much to not allow one another to live their life fully Mm -hmm. to their highest expression. So how can we find that individually and, you know, can reconsider our union and what could that look like? And it's also exploring that, like, what, what, what could that look like? What if I shared this with my friend recently, you know, for me, McLean, I, I really didn't see us growing older together. I didn't see us in our marriage. Like I, I just, my story, the narrative was as we grew older, we would separate or he would find someone else or so. So for me, the narrative I didn't, I didn't have that. And I'm like, well, what if, you know, we continue to fall madly in love as we grow older 
Like, why is that not a possibility? Why is it not a possibility that, you know, we, we raise these kids and we try new things and we move to new places and we travel and continue just to find new ways to love one another. That's beautiful. And I think so much of that is just looking outside of the box. And I do think that's a plus of this past year because mm, we are all doing that to lesser or greater degrees. And we just, yeah, it's like that programming of what mm. things should look like. And then when you kind of, usually we have to go through some pain or something that triggers us to question all that. And then it's like, oh, it actually mm-hmm. could be anything. Yeah. Let's just try it. Let's see. Yeah. yeah. And I love that that piece of the respect. It's like you respect, ideally you respect your partner enough to want them to be happy and for you to be happy. Yeah. And then work out the details. Yeah. Yeah, And just because they're going to be happy without you doesn't mean that that takes away for the, it's not a finite amount of resources. You can both be happy. Yeah. It's not either or. That's right. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think one thing that came to mind as you were talking, Pay, was that you know, a lot of people will say, well, we, you know, we never fight and, you know, we get along great. And like we went through, you know, it's not like we're, we're fighters, yeah, but we're there, were, there were, there were, there are periods we weren't fighting, but we weren't connected at all. Like, it's hard to fight when you're just shut down. Totally. And so I just kind of, I invite anyone to kind of look deeper into that. If that's part of your relationship, part of the mm-hmm. story that, oh, we never fight. Yeah. Well, what's really there? Yeah. And everyone's so different. Mm-hmm. We're all such different beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. I'd Lots love to. I'd love to ask, kind of, turn over to the both of you now. Because uh-huh. you both um, do such amazing work supporting women, in particular mothers. I know Peyton's done a lot of work with teen girls, and. Um, you know, so there's kind of anywhere that this, this can go. Um, but I guess one, one thing to, but I want to jump into the, the, um, the fourth trimester just yet, but I, I want to eventually, I would love for you each to speak about, um, this is kind of for the men out there, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, cause I think my, um, my eyes were open when Peyton became a birth doula and I started to see in, in that particular, uh, space when we had a birth doula at her births, it allowed me to show up in a way that felt really good and comfortable, uh, versus trying to do all the things that a birth doula would do without even knowing any of them. And so I think there was such a benefit to me just showing up as Cal in that process and, and just loving on her. Um, and so I don't know, just like what, maybe it's what inspired you to that work. And um, yeah, I just leave it open-ended for that. And I'm not sure how, I'm actually not sure how that, that relates to men. I think the 40 days is going to be really important for, for men to understand women as well. Um, we'll get to that in a minute though. Well, and I would, I would love if you would go ahead because I'm, I'm curious, um, that we're, we're both doulas and a doula is someone who's in service to a woman, someone who mothers the mother. 
And um, yeah, so what drew you to the work of Doolin women in the postpartum period? So first of all, when you were just sharing that, Cal, the first thing that came through was my work starts, well, really for myself, but for women to remember their innate power, Mm. period, first. It's very easy to only want to concentrate on the women for me. What I know now from doing this almost a decade is we need the men on our side. So I love now working with couples in my coaching because I do a lot of the work with the women, but we have to bring the men in because that is how we really will get change going. But women have to know it first within themselves to own it and then demand it and ask for it and to be able to share with their partners because more often than not, the partners want to be there, you know, and we are in this place where we are shifting consciousness right now. So I just wanted to say that I'm really speaking for the women and the men because there are so many amazing men that are learning how to step up because they weren't taught. We weren't taught. Mm. I didn't know. I wasn't Mm. modeled this and I'm sure you weren't either. And so, you know, looking at my own partner, you know, and he was so great. He was such a great support. Like the first birth we did the Bradley method three months, once a week, you know, really wanted a natural birth at the birth center. And he was amazing. And it was our first birth, you know, ended up having transfer to the hospital. And we were all kind of like deer in headlights and then cut to almost six years later, my home birth and my husband caught my baby. And it was so incredible, you know, just that loop and how that was healing for him and his relationship with his parents. And, um, so I really got into this work. So as you mentioned earlier, I went to Hampshire College. Yeah, what up? <laughs> down the street from Amherst for Calma. <laughs> and we were the weird hippies yes. down the lane where you went to get your drugs. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't into them back then, unfortunately. Um, Hampshire Halloween is a known thing. Um, but randomly, I took a course on midwifery. Super random. Didn't think about it. I was just like, that seems cool. And so you know, a little seed was planted and then cut to, you know, acting and doing all the other things. And then when I knew I wanted to become pregnant, I had friends that had home birth. So I was like, yes, sign me up. I'm so into the natural birth thing. And then, um, you know, all of that just really aligned with my whole lifestyle, everything. And, you know, the classes, the midwives, everything was kind of for the birth. And someone I think had mentioned postpartum doula, but it was like one woman, she was an old Kundalini Sikh, had no website, couldn't find her number. You know, it was so, this was like 10 years ago. So lots changed. And so then after I had my first daughter and the birth went very differently. And I remember saying to my friends, like, I'm just going to be really honest and tell you when I'm in this right now, what it's actually like, because no one's talking the truth. And so for me, it really wasn't even a conscious really thought it was just like my heart was like I have to help women do this because mm-hmm. like that shit sucked and women don't need to be doing this alone and everyone's flailing and it's mm. just not working and so that's really how I got into the postpartum and I love birth and I've trained to be a birth doula but for me the niche was postpartum because it just wasn't enough of it mm. and for me 
I'm also squeamish. I faint when I see blood. Actually, the birth, the only birth. Okay. So the birth that I attended before I had my first child, I fainted. Like the doctor had to run over to me with smelling salt. It was very embarrassing. And I came out to the waiting room and the family was like, why are you gray? And why are you eating a popsicle? And I was like, I fainted. Um, so um, that wasn't that cool. So it's just not my calling. So for the postpartum, for me, like it is, I love the healing work, the food, the, all the Ayurvedic mm -hmm. healing. Like there's so much beauty in there. But for me, if like I boil it down, it's really the entry point for me to help women remember their power so that they can mother and be the whole human they want to be. So it's not just like the postpartum for the postpartum sake. It's because it sets you up for the rest of your life. Mm. Yep. So, and it keeps evolving, you know, I'm sure I want to hear about your work too, but like as our kids grow, it evolves, you know, and I'm so interested in what you're doing with the teens because I've got a preteen and yeah. that's always been on my back burner of like, I'm going to just keep evolving with what she needs sure. because I want, you know, and I know you're doing this. I want to hear all that you're doing with the period and, you know, menstruation, all of that, because I want it to be so different for my daughter because I was a tomboy. I was, you know, flat chested. I was the tallest of my entire grades until seventh grade. I was an athlete. And, you know, when I got my period, I was so ashamed. I hated it. I was in total denial. I wouldn't talk to my mom about it. She hadn't really talked to me about it. And um, we were actually talking about it a couple of weeks ago. She was visiting me in LA. And I wasn't saying it like in a blaming way at all. I was just like, I just didn't own that part of myself. I had no idea. It felt awkward and gross and weird. And I just, I don't want that. You know, I want it, I want it to be beautiful and empowering for my daughter and for her to be able to come to me and, and see it in her friends that come before her and feel like it's cool and it's exciting and it's a rite of passage. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, like all my work keeps informing as yeah. I, you know, as I get to be a better mom continually and show up in new ways mm -hmm. and heal those parts of myself too. Exactly. I love that you said that because you do, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd love for you to talk to that. That would be. Well, just, yeah. And then I'll go back about the doula, but you know, my intention, I do a, a mother daughter, uh, class awakening to the purpose and power of your period. And it's a mother daughter. And so often I get asked, well, can I just send my daughter? And the intention of the program is to, um, awaken the daughter and heal the mother. So, because so much of a, at uh, least women, my age, didn't have this connection or had so much shame around this process um, or maybe not even shame, but just um, not information and understanding the purpose of, of why their body was changing and what that meant and what those gifts were. Um, so, so much is about healing um, your entry into womanhood. Right. And so um yeah, for me as a, a doula, so I was a birth doula and we share the exact same mission. I just saw my entry point a little earlier. And so for me, you know, reminding a woman of the capability of their bodies, the capability of their babies, you know, why, why does the body respond differently at home than it does at a hospital? You know, 
in nature, mammals give birth in a dark cave at night. You know, why do women go in labor at night, right? Because they feel safe. There's not predators out hunting, right? And so the muscles relax. And, you know, why do the muscles tighten when they feel threatened? And how does that impact the intensity of a contraction? And how, why does labor slow when you get to a hospital? It's because your body doesn't feel safe. And so I think when, when a woman can really understand what their process is and what their body knows to do, then the birth is approached with calm and confidence. And I really think it's so important for a woman transitioning into this new phase of her life into motherhood, that that innate knowing of a, being a mother is activated. And I think birth gives us that opportunity. And I think when we suppress it through, through instant meds or inductions and things like that, and granted, there's a time and a place for everything. I'm grateful for technology and the advances we've made. However, if we're denied that opportunity to be initiated into this mothering phase and that innate knowledge and that we know we are the best advocate for our child and that we're not deferring to experts, but really tuning into our bodies and what we know our child needs. You know, our, our, our medical system has, has made a, a bit of a separation as a, okay, well, we know best and let's defer to the experts. And there's a time and a place to consult with experts, but until you know yourself, like, like how, how do we know ourselves? How do we know our bodies? How do we know our children so that we can go advocate and, and work with experts, right? Because we, we know our normal, we know our baby. And so how can we work together in collaboration there, but not to completely sever yeah. our knowing that has served us for centuries, right? Yeah. And I think that's a huge part of the healing is just reconnecting to our knowing and that mothering spirit that is so strong and so powerful. Um, and I really, I really feel that, right, that helps heal the lineage forwards, backwards. And if we can draw the men in and to help them understand, right? I mean, I'm sure like the experience for you witnessing uh, our first birth was an uh, induced we were induced and had a, a number of medical interventions. And then our third was, you know, undisturbed at home. So I think what a gift to be able to see a woman in that experience, you know, so I'm curious, like what that was like for you and for you to receive our child in your own hands um, and be brought into that. And then now like, I'm jumping, I'm all over the place, but now, you know, being able to inform and, and teach Cal, like the beauty of our daughter's growing body and the importance of that. And, and even seeing the cycle of life that I'm in, you know, um, and what that means and, and now moving into a new cycle of life and what that will look like and these enormous opportunities that women have with our cyclical natures. Um, so yeah, what, what, what was that like birth experience like for you? I mean, being at home, it's like such, it's, uh, 
just think about it. Would you rather be in a hospital or be at home? And like, I was super, I just trusted you that this was the right thing to do. Well, I didn't have I'm, fear or we, I didn't have fear around that. What are you going to say? I, no, I just, I want to go back to that. Cause someone had asked us a question about this yesterday. Like, how do you, how do you trust yourself? How do you trust your mother, mothering instinct? How do you build that? Yeah. And, um, so we were having this conversation yesterday, but I remember when I knew that home birth was right for this pregnancy um, with our daughter. And I remember printing out abstracts and things and, and like giving him information and like doing a pitch, like, cause we didn't know, we didn't really know anyone who had had a home birth. And so just presenting to Cal, like, Hey, this is like what I know is right for this pregnancy and this birth. And here's some supporting data. <laughs> and um, I, as my partner and the father of this child, I, I respect, you know, what it is that you feel is in, in best interest and, in, you know, safety for our child. But um, here you go <laughs> and let me know what you think. So uh, I think it's also being comfortable of trusting a mother's instinct, which I think could be very hard for a man. Yeah. Right. You're like, Oh, but wait, this is what I know. And this is what the experts say. And my wife is telling me something completely different. Yeah. I want to speak to that really quickly. Yes, please do. Um, so when you were talking, I, I really agree with you. And that's what I do with my coaching too, because what I realize over time, it's like, I can't teach anyone about postpartum when you're in postpartum because you're just like in it. In it. <laughs> so it's working with women throughout their pregnancy to plan, right? Mm -hmm. For their whole postpartum. And in so doing, for me, pregnancy is such a deep, deep spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. I mean, kind of nothing bigger. I mean, mm -hmm. birth and death, right? Two sides of the same coin. So for a lot of women... We were not modeled that we weren't taught that, but if you can get that kind of download, even before you conceive, you're just going to be so much better off to do that work and to really be present for it and to allow all the stuff from your past or your lineage to come up to be healed. And it's amazing when you can do that as couples too. We, we don't always get that. Sometimes yeah, it's yeah. like the second, third kid, right? Sure. Um, certainly was for me. So I think too, that when the men or partners, let's say we're talking about husbands, but it could be female yeah, too. Sure. Um, when the non-birthing person sees you own that part and see your confidence, more often than not, they're going to get on board with you yeah. because you are in your power. Yeah. It's this wavering that um, is not really helping anybody. And mm -hmm. so that's what I see a lot is culturally too, we're asking too many questions outside of ourselves, just fucking own your power, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't know that till after I had my first one. Mm -hmm. And then I remember like, cause I was driving two days later, which is insane. <laughs> and like being at a cafe. And I just remember being like, you know, all these like LA, like cutie actresses. And I was, a, you know, like picking up a latte and I was just like, I just had a baby come out of my vagina. I'm magic. What are you doing today? You know, like it was such this like power that I had not had in my life. Yeah. And I was like, I'm a fucking badass. And it was my second. It was like, I knew I could do it. Mm -hmm. There was no question. Yeah. And so immediately I was like, I'm doing a home birth. My husband was like, yeah, you, yeah. Awesome. Mm. You know, because 
he knew I could do it and I was owning it Mm -hmm. and I wasn't actually questioning. I was telling him and he was like, great, let's set you up, you know? And I also had the confidence to ask for that too. The second kid, I was like, we're having a second kid. You're throwing money at me. You're, I'm getting all the things. I'm getting acupuncture (sighs) and the chiropractic and all the postpartum healing. Like this isn't, you know, because it's worth it because I didn't do it with my first and you will spend the time, money, not to mention the pain point. on yeah. healing it. You will. So it's like, just set yourself up, you yeah. know? And that's what I work on with all my clients. Even before you're pregnant, you know, save your money for that. You don't yeah. need to drop a hundred thousand dollars on a wedding, you know, like, or 50 or 20 even. It's like, save that for your birth you want and your postpartum healing for mm-hmm. your family. Like it's, it's just education. I get really riled up. I love it. I love it. And I, th- but I think that's the energy that Peyton came to me with. I mean, she had the, the, the abstracts. I didn't read any of them because I just, because I knew right. like, like she is it. so yep. clear about this yep. and who the fuck am I to challenge it? Right. Uh, you know, where I could see if, if she were wishy-washy and there was some, some fear in her that she maybe it wasn't the right decision. She was very clear. And we had, two case studies, you know, our two kids beforehand. It's like, Oh, the second one was a a little better than the first, but it didn't have to be that way. Yeah. Well, it was, you know, undisturbed birth at a hospital. And then, then it was like, okay, like what can I control my environment? So yeah. And just being at home and I could just, I just, it made sense to me that the comfort again, if you believe in your body's ability to do that. Women have been doing it for centuries out of hospitals with great success. When you feel that now you're in your home, you know, I went and made some coffee and it was just such a cool environment to be in. And then when hope was born, literally in our bed minutes later on her chest, like, in, I'm like, Oh my God, there's nowhere to go. We're here. And on call, she was born in her. So was was Goldie. No way. That's so rare. I know. Wow. It's so rare. So cool. Okay. Uh, Come back to that in a second. (laughs) But you know, one of the, one of, and I had mentioned it earlier, but it was the first time I had heard a doctor. I believe it was Dr. Was it Dr. Rose? Rossi. Rossi. Say, point, looked at Peyton and said, you are not to do a thing the next six weeks and he looked at yeah. me and said you're fucking doing everything or get help or whatever she's mm-hmm. not doing anything mm-hmm. her job is to rest and feed her baby rest and feed rest and feed six weeks and so i know you have the that's so that's 42 <laughs> days technically you have the 40-day tradition so that's something that you obviously believe in as well so i'd love yeah. to hear like the backstory on yeah. that yeah just because i will forget because there's so many things to talk about um being born in the call for those of you that don't know is when you, a baby is born in their amniotic sac or partial. So it is supposedly like one in a million. I don't know if it's really a million, but it's, it's a small percentage and it is supposed to be very auspicious and bring babies that are psychic and very attuned with magic. And I really see that with my baby girl. I mean, I feel like both my girls, but she is very psychically tapped in. Like she says stuff and then it happens. It's pretty wild. And she's three and a half. I will say this about hope. 
her intuition is strong. Yeah. Like about yeah. people, mm-hmm. she knows she people. Yeah. She sees them for a minute. Yeah. And she's so just that like, yeah, that guy's her. a tool. Yeah. <laughs> She'll say it like that, right? She's so like, funny. oh, I really, I really like them. Yeah, like it's taken me. It's taken me around that person. Yeah, Um, taking me a year and a half, but I I think you're right. Yeah, I think (laughs) (laughs) they're so attuned. Yeah, my 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 girlfriend who was my birth doula. Um, when Goldie Wolf was born, she said it looked like she had like an astronaut's helmet, Mm. and that she just saw these big blinking eyes because my daughter has massive blue eyes and eyelashes, and she said it was like this like these big eyes looking at her when she came out. Well, and when hope, when hope came out, so, um, she had, a, a velamental, velamentous cord insertion. Am I saying that? Velamentous cord insertion. So where her placenta was inserted, where the cord was inserted on the placenta wasn't very healthy. So she came a few weeks earlier, right? Our babies know when it's time. Um, her placenta was very small. Um, and she had, um, a, a couple of wraps, a nuchal wrap, and then around the body. But what was so beautiful about being home and and being with these doctors who just really trusted the the process, and about her being born um, in her sack is that so she had this cushion that she needed this buoyancy right that she needed for this particular time. And then we, we actually, um, broke the bag to catch underwater. Cause it's like holding a water balloon underwater. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they could see the tension. Right. So, which when, when the cord is pulled very tight, it, it keeps the oxygenated blood from circulating. Um, and so they, they did this beautiful maneuver of, of, not letting her continue to descend, but kind of fishtail her out so it didn't put any more pressure. Oh, wow. And um, it took her about almost 60 seconds to take her first breath. But because we where we were and at this moment, she was never moved from my chest. And I remember looking at Cal as they, you know, we were getting support just in case I looked at him and I'm like, she's fine. Like I could feel, I could feel on my chest that she was about to breathe. Like I could feel everything. There was no concern at all for me. And I just remember rubbing, rubbing her chest and asking Cal to rub her feet, just rub her feet. I'm like, she's fine. And then they, they, they ended up giving her a little oxygen and she pinked up immediately, but I didn't have the scenario of her being taken away from me cord being cut, which would have been very uh, challenging for her to have had that clamped because she needed every bit of the oxygenated blood until she could stimulate lung function. And, um, and that process was allowed. And because we didn't potentially artificially rupture her bag, like she needed that based on orientation in the sack. And sometimes we forget that because we're not being as patient with the birth process. And for her in particular, because we were home and because there were no interventions, it led to, I would say, a very healthy birth experience that possibly could have gone a little awry in a different circumstance. Yeah. And so I I don't know what made me think of that. that, That's It's just so powerful because when you are home, you're given the space and time, time to trust that biology often knows what's up. 
more yeah. than we do. Yep. And then Just. me not having that postpartum perceived trauma of being separated from my child, my child not being separated yeah. from me, which we know what that's like when we separate mother from baby that does immediately for a child. So, um, yeah, she was allowed there. So and we're going back to the, the 40 day. Yeah. Thank you. I, I love hearing birth stories I too. We could just sit here all day and hear every detail of all your births. I'd love it. Um, so really every tradition around the world, but ours has traditions of, of postpartum. And it doesn't even have the word postpartum. I mean, in some languages, there's not even a word for postpartum because it's just a continuation of life. It's just what you do to keep mom alive and baby alive. End of story. It's like you have the, the soups and the teas and the special traditions to help mom heal from the birth and the pregnancy and then to feel good in her body so she's producing milk that keeps the baby alive, that keeps the species alive. You know, it's like very basic stuff. It's very simple, but it isn't necessarily easy because in the United States, we were not, most of us, I'd say 99% of us, we were not modeled that. We don't know that. We're very separate from our traditions. So the way that I have learned is through the lens of Ayurveda, which is Indian science. And for me, kind of with everything in my life, I trust the test of time. And Ayurveda has been used for thousands mm. of years as a real medicine. I mean, you go to India, there are Ayurvedic hospitals. The last thing you're going is the Western hospital that's going to cut something out of you. You're going to do everything through Ayurveda first. Mm. And it's powerful and it's kept people alive and healthy for thousands of years. And it's really honoring each person's constitution and body. Like it's very simple, really. The more you know, there are tons of Ayurvedic books for anyone listening that's interested that are just beautiful and learning your body because there's no right or wrong. And, you know, I'm 43 now and I've been interested in health and diets since I was a teenager and I was like into raw foods in the nineties. And, you know, at this age, I'm like, I don't think there is a health food. I don't think there's anything that's really besides like water that's good for every single person. I really don't. Mm -hmm. and. um Ayurveda honors that. And so. And what a couple, a couple, yeah. give us a couple books. Cause you mentioned for those oh listening, God. I'm like, don't leave them hanging. Do I'll have, have to put them in the show notes. Okay. Mm, yeah. Great. Because I have some great cookbooks that are great for, um, dipping your toe in. Mm -hmm. I'll put those in the show notes. Got it. Um, but there are quite a few that my teacher who I also put in the show notes, Julie Bernier, um, in LA, she just recently moved to Oaxaca. Um, mm. but she was a big part of my learning about this. I was already doing it cause it was just very intuitive. And then I went deeper with her, um, in LA, but really we have three, you know, this is like very like one Oh one basic, but we have three doshas. Most of us are all three mixed, usually with two stronger ones. So there's Pitta, Vata, Kapha. What makes it easy for postpartum is that every woman is vata imbalanced. So the etheric, the floaty, the not having the feet on this earth, you know, all that's in biology because we're supposed to startle. We're supposed to awaken when we hear a baby cry because that's how we know to feed them. You know, like all of this, we kind of judge or look down upon or it's going to be so hard or it's horrible, the postpartum with the newborn. It's actually beautiful. 
right? Because we're keeping our babies alive. Mm-hmm. But mommy has to be cared for so that she can do that work. So just even that like changes everything. You're like, oh yeah, of course. Of course she needs that. Um, so it's soups, stews, everything warming, um, keeping feet, you know, socks on, feet warm, not going outside without a hat on, keeping the house warm, um, not drinking cold drinks, no smoothies, no raw foods, everything's cooked. Oatmeal's really boiled down. So basically, postpartum, you're a raw nerve. Like, it's like you've run five marathons and had an all-nighter and have the stomach flu. Like, that your system is just like, it's gone through the ringer. And so we really want to bring the nutrition and the warmth for the body to know to heal it. So, you know, like when you get an injury, you put heat on it. Sometimes you alternate heat and cold. but the heat is also stimulating, right? The blood and everything to bring the warmth to heal that region. So that's what we're doing. The vaginal steaming, the sits bath, um, and really keeping the, the body warm and wrapped, you know? And I, and with the Abhyanga, like I was telling you before, when I do the oil Abhyanga massages, it's like this raw nerve is then just coated in warm oil. You know, it feels so good. And just like, I mean, it's like a hallucinogenic experience when I'm rubbing a mama's head with warm oil. It's like just helping her ground into this new self from maiden to mother and landing back in her body. And, you know, this is a more spiritual aspect, but I really think we kind of ping pong between the spirit world and this world when we're new moms Mm -hmm. and maybe always, but we are like that for a reason and it's so spiritual and so beautiful. And I really try to reframe that with my postpartum clients is this is not something to be gotten through. This is not something to white knuckle through. This is a sacred portal of time. And it's not only affecting these six weeks, like these six weeks are just like just the beginning, you know, it's like getting you ready to then mother for the rest of your life. And in India, they have this saying something to the effect of, the first 40 days of life inform the next 40 years of your life. Mm, So it's also what's your menopause going to be like? Are you going to be peeing yourself off and on? What's your pelvic floor? So it's when I speak to couples about that, the men can really kind of grab onto that or like, Oh yeah. Like (laughs) I want to be able to have sex with my Mm. wife. You know, I want us to have a beautiful intimate future together without her pelvic floor falling out. Mm. And statistically, more of the pelvic floor and incontinence issues are from not resting postpartum. It's not just the labor and delivery. Wow. Yeah. Because you think gravity, you know, you've had all that pressure and then you're just going about your other day and tending to your other kids and cooking and cleaning. No, you need to be in that bed flat. Okay. So freaking amazing. So I want to just really drill it down for particularly the men listening, but also for the women. I don't know if you can be any more clear because you're pretty damn clear. Like those, those 40 days are so important um, because what you're speaking to, we all see it. That, you know, a big thing that I think moms feel, correct me if I'm wrong, got all this baby weight on. I want to get out there, start running. I want to start doing all these things to start to lose the weight and good God, like just to think of what that does to the body 
And yeah. so how do you, how do you give, how do you give moms comfort? And what can a, what can a dad say to mom that will be resonant versus you don't need to lose the weight. You know, the stuff we try yeah. to say that's like nice and there's like, fuck off. This is my body. And I want it to look differently Right. without guilting him and say that you're like, what, 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 what do you got for us? Hmm. That's a really good question. And our culture celebrates and perpetuates this. Oh, oh look at her. She's already out and oh, about. Like she's yeah. already at the grocery store in her yeah. skinny jeans. Like that's celebrated. That's what you see in magazines. Look, only three weeks out or on, on yeah. social media. Like, look, day four. And yeah, I see that and I'm like, go lay down. No. let allow the organs to get back into place. Like, please lay down. Yeah. You know, I, I know I tried to be that mom right after baby number. I, it took me a few babies to start learning. Um, and now I would do it so differently. Right. Um, be, uh, now knowing what I know, I just didn't know that then, but, um, and suffered the pelvic floor issues and continents and all of that from baby number one, just not knowing. So yeah, like you said, I ended up paying for it later. Yeah. Right. I ended up having to do all the, the rehab and everything years later, you know, fast forward four years, I invested in it then. Totally. So, um, yeah, so I'll, I'll start, I think it's, um, again, not dismissing a woman's feelings if she's sharing and just hearing, um, and I think acknowledging, um, what she's doing, you know, thank you for in, investing this time and devoting, devoting this time to our child. Thank you for feeding our child. Like your body is amazing. I'm fascinated by all its ability, right? That your, your body is life giving your, the, the way you're loving and snuggling with our child is life giving, life sustaining, and just like being in awe of this process and acknowledging that, is there any way I can support you respecting this need and this time? And, um, and I think just feeling that loved and supported and seen in her, in her process after will, I think also allow a woman to not feel the need to, to get up and go you know, get fit and, and be in that because she's being celebrated for being in this, this process and this season and this. Um, so that's what kind of first like comes to mind for me. Yeah. I love that. I have so many things to say. Um, <laughs> kind of the first one is so much. It's really interesting. I think this is a big lesson that so many women go through that spiritual journey. I was talking about when you're pregnant. Because for many women, what is your natural weight? You know, mm. have you ever been your natural weight? Have, are you always 15 pounds skinnier than your natural weight? Because you, you know, don't eat, you restrict, you're bulimic. You know, like there's so many variables to this. Mm -hmm. So some women gain a lot of weight because they're already 20 pounds underweight when they get pregnant. And that's a whole thing that they have to work through, you know? So it's very common for disordered eating to come up, a lot of body dysmorphia, all of that through pregnancy and postpartum. Um, I will say the healthier you are, the more active you are, you know, even before you conceive, you're setting yourself up yeah. to win because 
your body will acclimate and it'll come back. If you can stay active, if you can swim, if you can walk, you know, I'm a big proponent of walking three to five miles when you're pregnant, especially towards the end, really helps your labor and delivery. Um, And then if you're eating the postpartum healing foods, generally more often than not, you drop that weight quickly because your body's getting the nutrition it needs. You're getting the good key and you're able to really produce amazing breast milk when you're eating right. It's like that creme fraiche. It's not mm. like skim milk. You know, you're really giving such beautiful nutrition to your baby. And the way it, it does come off sooner than later. I mean, at least that's what I see mostly is it's like um, the women that aren't losing in a natural kind of flow are the ones that don't have support, mm-hmm. don't have help, are eating whatever they can get you know, processed in a box with, without the good nutrition and then are fried. And then that spikes your cortisone and then your body just doesn't want to release because it's so fucked up hormonally. So it really is like a holistic 360 view of the body. And then the weight will find its natural place. Mm-hmm. Mm. And just have Beautiful. patience. Thank you. you know? yeah. Just have patience with yourself. Well, how, okay. So the follow-up to that is how do, how do people get in touch with you to do this work? Cause I'm yeah. sure there's plenty of people here like, support. okay, this all makes sense. Yeah. How do I get this support? Yeah. Thank you. So I live in LA for now. Um, and you know, I've, I've moved more into coaching so I can help more women because I love working with them through pregnancy. And even I have like fertility clients right now too. Um, but really helping you get your plan, quote unquote plan for postpartum, because like you were saying earlier, we can control the things we can control. This is something we can control to know however your pregnancy goes, however your birth and labor, because it always is a miracle. Baby has their reason. They need to come in the way they come in. We have our stuff. And then it's like all the variables wherever you're giving birth. Um, but you can know that you at least are going to be held and blanketed and cared for in your postpartum time. And just knowing that is so huge. So they can find me motherthemother.com and I'm at motherthemother on Instagram. And um, I am doing a little bit of in-home healing work, but a lot of it's virtual now, which has been a blessing of this past year. Yeah, perfect. Because yeah, now you can help a lot more women. And um, I'm sure you're refining what that even looks like so you can. Yeah, and every client's really different. And I love, I love that. You know, like I had a couple from New Zealand recently because they're like, there's nothing awakened around here. We live in like the boonies of New Zealand. So I did prenatal work with them and got them set up with their postpartum plan. And I love that. And this, this postpartum support, we can consider for a mother blessing or baby showers. Like what if we gifted, um, you know, put a donation pot together where people could gift uh, postpartum support and food and things like that. Like what if these were the gifts as opposed to, you know, the, the bouncer or whatever, like, like, like chip in for this, because this is so important for the mother in turn, the partner, the family. But yeah, these are the types of gifts that are so 
And I love that. I'm like, I'll take, I'll take money from like 20 of your friends. Yeah. Like, Like, let's chip in and support this family. Gift certificate. Like Mm -hmm. that. And that's so, I love that so much because that actually is real loving support Mm -hmm. of like, we love you so much. We want to protect your family Mm -hmm. and your marriage and like set you guys up to thrive. And also, because I didn't speak about this earlier on the sacred window of the first 40 days, it's not just for the women. Like men go through their own huge transition as, I mean, you can speak to better than I can, but to really honor that, that you're going through your journey too. And as a postpartum doula, I'm there to support you also and to hold the container for the whole family and how healing it is for you too. Like sometimes if I'm in home with a client, I can take the baby for like a minute and you guys can cuddle and download and connect or, you know, I'm in the other room making a meal and you all are napping together. You know, it's a sacred time for the whole family. It's not just the mom and baby. It's the whole family unit. Well, a, cu- a, cu- a couple, yeah, because I certainly didn't have that and I didn't know that that was something that I needed. I don't think any man really know that that yeah. is a need. Yeah. So that's amazing. And I, this idea of this gift, I mean, as I'm like, this would have been the best gift to give you. There's nothing more loving and caring and so men out there, <laughs> yeah. soon to be dads, oh, do yourself a favor. I've, I've been in this 21 years. This would be the best gift I could ever give my wife. So mm-hmm. please, please uh, do yourself a favor and your, your wife and your relationship mm-hmm. a favor. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of it. All Thank of you. it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank uh, you. Any, anything <laughs> else in closing? Are there any books the support mm-hmm. this kind of yeah that you would so, recommend. Um, one of my dear friends and a colleague, um, Kimberly Ann Johnson. She's Kimberly Ann Johnson on Instagram, but she has a beautiful book, The Fourth Trimester, and that is my first to go to book. She also, and I want to tell you about this, Peyton. She has a new book called Call of the Wild, mm-hmm. and her gr- online group is Jaguar. Mm. And there's your card. <laughs> yeah, there we go. And um, back to the Jaguar. This book is incredible because it's all about the nervous system. And I feel like it's mandatory reading for every single woman and men, but really women and people that birth because it's like so next level and explaining. And I know all this and I studied, I'm literally underlining every <sighs> sentence. It's so blowing my mind. And um, then there's Nurture by Erica Chitty Cohen, which is great. And then there's um, the first 40 days cookbook, which is a beautiful, beautiful gift for anyone because it has recipes too. Is that Sally Fallon? Oh, I love Sally Fallon too. Okay. Nourishing traditions. Okay. Um, that's what I'm thinking of. Okay. The, um, anyway, it'll be in the we show can notes. Yeah. We'll show link to that in the notes, show yeah. notes or you can just Google it people. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> duck a go it. <laughs> oh yeah. Duck, duck, duck go it. Yes. <laughs> My bad. That's right. I got to work on that. Um, and Peyton, thank you for all your work. And I'm going to be asking you lots of questions yeah. as my little girls grow, because that to me is like the next, sure. you know, um, and that is such powerful work. So yep. thank you Absolutely. because that is a white space <laughs> that needs support and help. Well, and I have an ebook coming out. Oh, I was just going to say you gonna, yes. I'm like, oh, talk, talk about, about yeah. No, I mean, talk about white space, but I wanted you to share the ebook that's coming out in to support men. 
Yeah, it's, it's she becomes a dad's guide to his developing daughter. So mm-hmm. it's let's let's start the conversation. You can cry. I know you don't, but you, you can. Um, let's start the conversation now, and and really, obviously, you know, it'll help you attune to your partner learning through your child, which is sometimes a little easier. But um, yeah, I think this is a, a time in uh, a, a father's life where they feel like they're separated from because they want to be re- respectful or not, really not know what to do with it or comments can be made that could be impactful and not even with that intention. So um, it's just a cheat sheet for understanding our beautiful bodies and cyclical nature and rhythms and really attuning to that and learning how to, to witness it and support it in different phases of her cycle. And, um, yeah, so that's being, uh, it will be downloadable, um, Father's Day. And where are they going to be able to find that, babe? As PeytonCallahan.com, my website. So coming soon. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Good. Uh, thanks for remembering oh, we that. got we got Our some, sons in the house some again. ruckus going in the kitchen i guess that's, that's a perfect time to that's end. a wrap thank you so much for listening i hope that you loved this podcast i hope you enjoyed it please please if it touched your soul and your heart please subscribe rate and review the show it truly makes a big difference on the back end for us to keep bringing this podcast out into the world and through July 31st, if you will please screenshot your review and email it to me, hello at motherthemother.com with your Instagram handle in that email. I will DM you a little gift. Also, you will be in a raffle. Everyone that has ever given a review throughout the first of this podcast to now will be entered into this raffle and you will win a free two hours of coaching with me, which is valued at over $1,000. So you want to get in on that. So again, screenshot your review of the Mother the Mother podcast, email it to me, hello at motherthemother.com and you will be entered into the raffle. Thank you so much. I appreciate you sending you so much love today. Jay Ma.